I like to movie, movie. Hey everybody, it's Dan again. I want to go over some of the cool stuff that I saw during day two of the Overlook Film Festival here in beautiful New Orleans. So, uh, day two was pretty good. I managed to cram five movies in. Uh, I was pretty spun by the end, but the last movie, when we get to it, uh, was so fucking scary that it, uh, it woke me the fuck back up and I was up all night late which may have something to do with the movie, may also have something to do with the crawfish tacos that I bought off of the back of a pickup truck. Uh, Worth it, though. Absolutely delicious. So yesterday, uh, kicked off the fest with uh, Brooklyn 45, the newest thriller from Ted Gagan. He was in attendance, gave a wonderful Q&A after the fact. Uh, This seemed to be a very personal project with him. Sort of co-wrote it with his now uh, departed father, and um, his father who was a veteran, and that comes into play a lot in this movie. It's a chamber piece that takes place in 1945 in a time after World War II when we look back with rose-colored glasses and picture, oh, we did it, we won the war, uh, yay, 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 which, you know, all well and good, but... Just like any war, there's more than just the actual war itself in terms of casualties. And one of the things that we had to reconcile with and didn't really have the terminology to do so is PTSD. Uh, Also on top of that, we have to reconcile the heroic image that the U.S. puts forth as well as some of the atrocities that we had to engage in in order to achieve that victory. Um, You know, moral relativism and all that. But uh, this is a very thoughtful breakdown of that in which a group of people, friends who uh, all but one served in the war, are all gathering together uh, around Christmas time in a single room to uh, get together, have some drinks, and recap. Um, One of the guys, uh, Hawk, Colonel Hawk, uh, played by a hero to this show, Larry Fessenden, Um, his wife has recently passed uh, due to suicide. And he gets the idea that they are going to hold a seance, and that's exactly what we do. Um, knowing uh, Gagan's past works, such as, uh, uh, was it, we're still here? Or, oh, God, fuck. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up, because I always fuck this up and think of another movie's title. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, a, it's essentially they do a seance, but this isn't such a, yes, we are still here. Nailed it. And, um. This isn't necessarily a supernatural forward movie. Yes, there are supernatural elements, but mostly it is about switching of allegiances, who to believe, who's telling the truth, uh, trying to figure out what's going on as they're all trapped in this room. Um, Lots of surprises. Uh, This is a very uh, formally beautiful movie, definitely Gagan's best looking so far. Um, It all takes place pretty much in a single room, short of, you know, the scenes where they're entering and exiting the room at different points in the movie, but for the most part, it is all in one room, and, I mean, the script is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's his sharpest work to date, and when it comes to performances, I would say it is a career best from my man Larry Fessenden, um, who is known mostly as a filmmaker and who tends to just cameo in other horror projects. He has a really meaty monologue here that, uh, I mean, knocks it out of the park. But that really goes for everybody in the film. A lot of great performances here. One of the showcases is Anne Ramsey as a former U.S. interrogator. Um, We all know what that really means. Um, 
Ron E. Rains plays her husband, Babo, and you might recognize him as the Onions film critic. And so it's very funny because as the film critic, he has quite dry delivery of a lot of humor. And that same sort of dry delivery is used here, but in terms of drama. And it's amazing to watch how far his, uh, his abilities can stretch across genres like that, even though he's essentially doing a similar thing. Um, Jeremy Holm, excellent. Uh, Ezra Buzzington, who was in, excuse me, who was in Gagan's previous film, Mohawk. Mohawk, um, really just like terrifying stuff. But um, this movie, despite being heavy material, is kind of delightful. It goes down easy. It's a compelling watch, but um, it's not a particularly difficult watch. But it is uh, scary. It's got a little bit of humor, but just really engaging, top to bottom. Um, I loved everything about it. It's uh, definitely one of my favorites of the fest so far. Uh, After that, I uh, bounced over to Trim Season. Uh, Trim Season is uh, directed by Ariel Vida, written by David Blair, Sean E. DeMott, Cullen Polythress, what a great name, Megan Sutherland, and Ariel Vida, of course. And uh, this is a pretty cool movie. It was not my favorite thing that I've seen, but a really great setup involving two young women who uh, decide to get a seasonal job trimming weed for a reed, weed farm in California. Um, you know, it's under the table kind of work so you know you have to understand when you're doing a job like this that you're going to see some unsavory stuff yes there's going to be men with guns yes you're going to be living in a cabin no you're probably not going to have internet so this is a really good setup for a kind of trapped in a strange location thriller which it is and isn't because as their time at the farm progresses uh things start to get a little uh Squirrely, we'll say. And um, this one is surprisingly bloody and uh, very uh, intense front to back. I think it sort of crumbles towards the end as we start to learn more and more of what the mystery is that's going on. But um, even so, up until then, it is, uh, it's pretty gripping. And it wouldn't be so gripping if it weren't for a bunch of characters that are very easy to care about. Um, Our lead, Emma, is played by Bethlehem Million, one of the best performances in any movie that I've seen so far. Uh, Her friend Julia is played by uh, one of my uh, horror film crushes, Alex Esso, that you know from Starry Eyes. Um, She was in, um, what's the name of the uh, the Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep, where she plays Wendy Torrance. Um, Bex, Taylor, Klaus, they're from the Scream television show, so it's good to see them again. Um, Ali Ioannid, oh god, I-O-A-N-N-I-D-E-S, um, also looked familiar, I couldn't figure out from what, so I had to look it up, but, uh, Synchronic, a, uh, Benson and Moorhead, uh, film that I adore, and so, yeah, this is, a. Uh, I don't want to say it's pretty straightforward, because it is, until it isn't. Um, and I think that they take some very bold swings here. I don't know if it fully connects, but uh, it's hard to harsh it uh, when it's such a thrilling fucking movie until then. Um, definitely recommend it. You want to check out Trim Season. The third film that I saw was one of my favorites so far. It's called Clock. It was based on a short film that Hulu released as part of their... Uh, uh, they did like a like a horror film short kind of program, and there's so many movies on IMDb 
that uh, have the word clock in the title that it's hard to look up. There we go. And so Clock is written and directed by Alexis Jacknow. Um, it's uh, another one that is a shell for a really great performance. Uh, the lead here is Diana Agron. She plays a young woman who uh, is about to... She's approaching 40. She is elder millennial, as they say. And uh, as an elder millennial, in terms of uh, reproductive capabilities, she would be considered a geriatric. Um, man, that, that even hurts to say, because I'm 38, and even though I can't have children, uh, the fact that those who can would be considered geriatric at my age just breaks my heart. Um, she's a successful young woman. She has a uh, wonderful relationship with a loving husband, uh, who is also a successful surgeon, I believe. And um, she is like an interior designer slash uh, architect. I, I don't know what the word for it is, but basically she's like the shit. And all of her friends are mothers. They've all had kids or are having kids. And she is just not interested. Not interested at all. And um, her husband, on the other hand, is interested, but has made it clear at the outset that if she doesn't want kids, he does not want to force her into it. He's happy enough to be with her. But she feels guilt about this and wonders if there's something actually physically wrong with her in terms of her biological clock. So as such, she signs up for an experimental program that is meant to kickstart the biological clock of women who are not interested in having children. And so she goes to this uh, clinic that's run by Dr. Elizabeth Simmons, played here by Melora Hardin, um, who you might recognize. Uh, she was on The Office. She's in a bunch of stuff. Um, a very familiar face, and she was actually uh, in the theater with us, which is always fun, um, as was the guy who plays uh, Ella's husband, Jay Ali, and they did a really solid uh, uh, Q&A afterwards. Oh, and also, uh, uh, fans of film will recognize the name Saul Rubinek. Uh He plays uh, her father. And um, one of the interesting things about this movie is it ties into the fact that she is Jewish, and as such, um, there's a family-bound duty to continue the bloodline. Um, you know, her grandparents were survivors of the Holocaust, and so, you know, she feels a familial duty to keep her family moving forward and doesn't want that to stop with her, and that's part of the pressure that pushes her into this experimental program. Now, as these things go, and as we all know, experimental programs in horror movies aren't always everything they're cracked up to be. And the bulk of Clock is dealing with the fallout from this experimental program. Are the things she's experiencing part of the program? Are they some sort of uh, differentiation from the program? Is the program a malevolent thing? Um, that is up to you to decide, but... Uh, all of this ends up culminating in a very compelling body horror film. And uh, to see body horror used in a, a reproductive way is something that's happened before with, you know, things like teeth, um, even things like, um, oh man, what was that movie where the lady gives birth to a, uh, a blood-sucking baby? Grace, I believe it was, Grace. And... Um, yeah, this is really thoughtful stuff, and even though I can't have children, I am in a relationship with a woman who does not want children. I also don't want children, and uh, so, they, you know, it kind of hit close, close to home in a way, um, but, uh, you know, hopefully she doesn't change her mind about that, because I really don't want them, but, um, 
you know, Clock embraces that, uses it for horror, uses it to explore strong thematic elements, and uh, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. I have not seen the short, but I would like to go back and watch it. Um, the next movie is one called Monolith, and uh, this was really cool. This is my type of shit, for sure. Monolith is directed by Matt Vesely, written by Lucy Campbell, and... Um, it's at the outset you would kind of wonder why this is a film at all when it probably could have survived as a podcast project meaning that the plot of the movie is about a journalist who is recording a podcast and so the general idea is that uh some journalistic ethics may have been breached previously in this journalist's career. The journalist here played by Lily Sullivan, who only goes by the name The Interviewer. And so now she is doing sort of a, uh, a grunt job. You know, she's been busted down to traffic cop, if you will. And uh, so she's just hosting a podcast for a network that's, you know, it's like beyond, I think it's called Beyond Believability. So beyond belief, that kind of thing, you know, just uh, supernatural stuff, conspiracies. And she stumbles across a story involving a bunch of people who throughout their lives have obtained a small black brick. A mysterious black brick that may have connections to larger conspiracies, connections to the interviewer's family, and connections to other elements of conspiratorial nature and supernaturalia. Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil... Also, it's a little abstract, and I think it's meant to be abstract. And so what this ultimately becomes is one of those paranoid freakout movies. I noted uh, on my Twitter, at Dan Scully, that uh, it would really pair well with something like Something in the Dirt, in that, you know, there's a little bit of an unreliable narrator sort of thing. There is some escalations that, on the surface, may not make sense, but the more you think about it, the more you untangle it, um, you start to realize that making sense is not necessarily the goal of this movie. That said, I do think that it can be cracked, and I think it can be cracked over multiple viewings, of which there will be plenty. I cannot wait to watch this again. Um, very exciting stuff. It is, uh, But it's low-key. Most of it is just the interviewer recording a podcast, doing some editing, talking on the phone, existing within her home. Uh, very few other... Uh, people are in it in a visual sense, mostly in an audio sense. So I could see, like, you know, for the first half of this movie, I was like, I think I'd be more compelled by this if it were just a podcast. But as it starts to uh, move forward in its plot, it uh, becomes very clear that I'm supposed to have felt that way, and then that feeling dissolves. I don't want to say too much, but I will say this. I wish my schedule were open to see Monolith again, because I would love to see it again. That said... When it comes out, I'm definitely going to watch it one more time. Now, because of Monolith, uh, I didn't get in line for the secret screening until, oh, about an hour before it started. I thought that I was going to have plenty of time. Lo and behold, the line was fucking gargantuan by the time I got into it. And most of the people at my area in the line, uh, we kind of gave up on, on being let in. But, lo and behold, shout out to Overlook, through a uh, Herculean effort of logistics, they managed to open up extra theaters and accommodate every last person in that line to get in to the secret screening. Um, an interesting thing that they did with the secret screening, um, I'm going to read to you here what the description of the secret screening was in the festival program. 
It says, try and guess our secret screening. As is tradition, we'll never tell. Leave your expectations at the door. Knowing in advance would defeat the purpose. To spoil the surprise would, of course, be cheating. Only those brave enough to enter the theater will revel in the reveal. Marvel at one of the most exciting new titles of the year. End your Friday night here, and you won't be sorry. Now, if you were to see that written out, you would see that the first letter of each sentence spells the name of the film. And the name of the film is Talk To Me. And Talk To Me is coming out later this year. Uh, A24 picked it up at Sundance. It is a thriller uh, directed by Danny Philippou, Michael Philippou. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Written by Danny Philippou, Daley Pearson, and Bill Hinsman. Um, I'll tell you straight. This movie is fucking terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. One of the scarier movies I've seen in recent memory. Um, It's really hard to describe because it doesn't really fuck around in terms of getting to the concept. The concept is really simple. A bunch of high school kids have this, what looks to be a ceramic hand. And when you hold it and say, talk to me, it connects you with the spirits of the recently deceased. Um, And so this movie is the fallout from a bunch of kids who are too young to think in long term, uh, discovering that they can talk to the other side. And the other side might not be as uh, cheerful as one would hope. A lot of very shocking imagery in here. This is a loud, abrasive, in-your-face movie that is bolstered by very strong character work from its cast. Uh, Most notably the lead, Sophie Wilde, uh, who plays Mia, um, I thought I recognized her, but looking at her filmography, I do not see anything that I recognize. Uh, same with the co-lead here, Alexandra Jensen. Um, another face that looked familiar, but again, looking at her filmography, I don't see anything that I recognize at all. Uh, this is an Australian film, so it's an Aussie flick. And um, Oh yeah, and Miranda Otto is in it. She plays the parent of a couple of the kids. You definitely recognize her. Um, another one, I really don't want to say too much. The, uh, it's, it's an interesting look into my memory in terms of what it's like to be a reckless teen, but it's also just a shocking fright flick. I think that this is high style. I think that this is going to be huge when it comes out. Um, this is going to be huge for teenagers looking for, you know, a teen slasher, but this is, you know, a little bit higher quality than that tends to conjure in your head. And um, I think that uh, it'll also resonate with adults. I mean, A24 picked it up, so there's a certain image that's going to come with that. And I think that it will serve the A24 crowd well. Um, Seeing this in a packed, rambunctious theater, definitely an enhancement. Because this has a lot of very big fright moments that um, a couple audible, oh fucks, in the theater. uh, Clearly involuntary, not people being being jagoffs. just incredible stuff. Killer soundtrack. Um, I am not the type to put my hands in front of my eyes and cover it, but I did have my fists in front of my face uh, prepping myself for shocking images and jump scares. This is not a jump scare heavy movie, but there are some strong images that are thrust upon you without warning that are really shocking, really upsetting, and just, I mean, this is hardcore stuff. And, uh, Another one that comes to, uh, I don't want to say an ambiguous ending, but there's something 
there's a note of abstraction that kind of runs through the rules of this that remind me of something like It Follows, where we're only going to understand the rules of the supernatural elements insofar as the characters understand that stuff. And so, you know, you got you to kind of figure it out for yourself and play with it. And I think it works well. Uh, that doubt as it sits in your gut and is stirred by these horrifying images is uh, just... It's it's what you want in a horror movie, and as far as secret screenings go, this was a home run. So now I'm off to day three, so thank you everybody for tuning in to I Like to Movie Movie. Make sure you follow us at Movie Movie Cast. Um, shoot us a like, subscribe, review, all of that helps. And um, yeah, check out my other podcast, Hot Property, at Hot Property Pod. And you can follow everything that I'm doing at the fest at scullyvision.com. You should start seeing some words popping up there in the next couple of days. I'm off to day three of the fest, and I will be getting in line very early for Evil Dead Rise because I I absolutely have to see this movie. But um, I also, the line could be brutal, and I can't imagine they'd be opening up other theaters for this. So yeah, I'm getting there like two hours early. So uh, hopefully I get in. If I don't, we'll devote an episode to it later, and I will go eat a po' boy. But uh, if I do, you'll be hearing about that in the next Dispatch. But uh, thank you, everybody. I love you lots.